What's going on? Every buddy, you've got the card board coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. I am the cartel. And that was how's it going, Coach Co? And that was not planned. (laughs) Was was that a decent spit take? Uh, I think that speaks volumes to your level of organization, uh, just through everyday life. <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, it's going to turn out beautifully at the Toronto Sports Card Expo coming this November tenth through thirteenth. Yes. Which, uh, if you're if you're smart about what you're doing, not only will you be able to get a chance to have a chat with the cartel, but you'll also keep an eye out, like where's Waldo for Coach Co, who will be traveling around the various hallways and booths and intersections. There's two halls this time or something. I don't know. Yes, there are two halls and uh, tons of hallways. So fingers crossed that uh, Coach Co doesn't get lost like he did last year. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I would I would highly recommend bring a soccer ball with you. Maybe if you have a soccer ball with you, that may attract Coach Co to you, in which case when he the closer he comes to you, start to dribble that ball and uh, see if you can get it around him. And that's a fun thing you can do at the, the sport card. I mean, honestly, that would be like a, that'd be a pretty cool talking point. Uh, although I do picture like having a ball in the premises uh, to be kind of like growing up with my grandmother. And oh, yeah. every time I had a ball anywhere near uh, her plants, she absolutely lost it. And I mean, lost it. Uh, so I assume that people uh, wielding, you know, expensive pieces uh and uh you know fragile showcases and all the things of that nature probably wouldn't be thrilled about people kicking a ball around because i feel like that escalates pretty quickly the show organizers have already vetoed any plans i had to enact a sort of a dealer uh, olympics in which there were going to be various events like push-ups and box jumps it's just not going to happen folks uh however I do encourage anyone who wants to challenge the cartel to some sort of a, a athletic feat competition, some sort of a festivist inspired thing. You can do that. Uh, you can throw slabs at the cartel and try to dodge slabs that the cartel will randomly be throwing out at the large throngs of people. That's pretty good. I mean, hopefully the slabs in your possession will be uh, real PSA 10s and not like the PSA 10 that Nat Turner recently got back. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Nat Turner recently showcased a 97 Jordan insert. Uh, it, it was a luminous insert, if I'm not mistaken. And as always, if I'm wrong, please feel free to let me know. Um, but it was a PSA 10. And uh, I think the screenshot that's going around is from the Cardboard Life. Um, and it, what it is, is it showcases a side-by-side of a PSA 10 um, of this card, a normal PSA 10, and then the PSA 10 that Nat Turner received. And very visible in the photo of Nat Turner's is the fact that it, it, this is like a die cut ish insert. So it, it almost rep, it almost looks like there are bricks behind. Yeah, this it's very, it's very, very jagged. Yes. This photograph of Michael Jordan. 
And lo and behold, on one of the bricks, it seems like the the foil on it is entirely removed. So that all you can kind of see is the, the cardboard itself. Um, and and I mean, this is like a, a blatant surface issue. This is like that card is no longer what the card is supposed to look like. Uh, and if we're going by PSA rules, quite frankly, I mean, anytime that any part of the surface is missing, it should be a PSA one, if I'm not mistaken. You know, um, I mean, I have a beautiful copy of a 1952 Gordie Howe, which I frequently showcase and I tell people it is the nicest looking PSA one that they've ever seen. And, and the front is virtually, you know, untapped, looks gorgeous. Corners are sharp, especially for something from 1952. The centering is fantastic. But at the back, uh, there seems to be some, a bit of it missing. Um, so, you know, did uh, did they just mistype this label and it was actually supposed to be a PSA 1 and it's instead it's a PSA 10? Like, what happened here? You think I can hide this Quang Yun PSA 10 rookie card in my beard to hide my shame? Um, you know, when it comes to PSA, the company that didn't grade my GSP. Yeah. Because they claimed it was min size, even though I pulled it from a pack and it was later graded by SGC. Um, nothing is shocking first and foremost. So let's, let's start this conversation on a, on a, on a level, although I am completely losing my mind quite clearly as evidenced by this podcast, let's not lose our minds. Now uh, you are talking about a, again, basketball, not, not the, not necessarily the cardboard coaches area of expertise, a highly in demand nineties insert die cut Michael Jordan. Uh, I know of several, very, you know, uh, well-known Michael Jordan collectors amongst them, uh, the owner and proprietor of the ball card exchange, uh, out in Indiana is, uh, he has, who has the famous Jordan bar. And I'm just off the top of my head. It's, it's him and Nat Turner that stand out the most in my head when I think of Michael Jordan collectors, right? I mean, do you know of any other mega Jordan collectors? No, not really. I mean, but I know of like smaller ones, but yeah, you know, they're out there. Yeah. And, um, it and and what and here's the thing, right? Don't don't mistake them for the investors and the flippers who got in on this and who see my, who see just dollar signs with yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah. A lot of these guys want these cards. They want to put them away. They want to look at them. This is what we do, right? We're we're collectors. We I I am a big fan of the Korean Zombie. I want to look at this card, although I may sell it very soon. I want to look at it. I want to display it. I want to love it. And when you think about the the CEO of PSA, what a wonderful in he has to work on his PC and his collection in a very unique and rapid way, right? To acquire the best examples he can find, get them graded, um, put them away, stash them, build this beautiful collection, which I'm sure he takes pride in. I, 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 I know Nat Turner is a collector. I yes. know he's uh, in his heart. He, uh, one of his first businesses was rare breeds of lizards and reptiles. Did you know this? No. Co? That's funny. Um, and he made a business out of it. So he's one of these guys, like, like myself, like you, who make businesses out of their passions. That resonates with us. And I think that's cool. I'm not sitting here being like a, a cheerleader for Nat. I don't know Nat. Nat sat down with him. I don't know him as a human. You hear things. You try to take them with a grain of salt. Um, 
some people are of the mindset, I'm immediately going to make negative connotations with this guy that bought BS PSA. Some people are like, he's the savior. He's going to change PSA. Has he changed PSA from previous ownership, the Orlandos of the world? That's debatable. Whole other show. But for me, he's just kind of neutral. And um, you would think a collector would know about this card, know what it should look like, know what damage looks like on this card. So it's, it's so obvious to everyone who's seeing it. It's this cardboard life in the, in, in, in the, in the pantheon of memesters. I believe he's often overlooked in favor of some other memesters who I love all very dearly, who I chat with all the time, uh, that I think are a little bit more, um, they get a little bit more notice because of perhaps connections with Lamine and, and uh, really over the top stuff, in my opinion. I already mentioned this a couple of podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this cardboard life, uh, I think he's very overlooked. It's funny stuff. And he hit it out of the park today um, because he basically concisely put this together. I, he wasn't the one who broke the news by any no, means. No, 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 no. But I'm saying that, that that's, the that's the photo that's kind of been floating around, though. But I'm so happy for him because he, he just put it together concisely. Uh, hey, tagged me in it. I love people tagging me in their stuff. Why not? Um, but it's uh, it's glaring. So my first thought is like, who is dumb enough to go through this process and then show it off? Show it off. Show it off. But then we do also live in a world where there are a lot of devils out there plating, hiding in plain sight. We see it more and more every day in the political realm and, and just in the world today. I don't know. It's baffling. I, I'm really surprised by it. And now, of course, we have this discussion about favoritism. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it, Coach Co. I'm into this discussion. We've touched on it here and there. Uh, in a world where Steve Aoki's and Mike Trout's are now wandering the halls of the PSA head office, we have to have this discussion. It's a good discussion. Um, you're going to be surprised where I'm going with this. Now, before I go where I'm going with this, I, I don't want to talk for too long without a break, without getting you in on this. I mean, what are your what are, what's your instinct on this? I mean, I think everyone's in instinct is to think that there's hanky panky, but what are your initial thoughts when you see this stuff? Uh, when it comes to Nat and when it comes to favoritism, I think that he submitted it, perhaps not knowing what this insert looked like, like what like a perfect copy of this insert looked like. Uh, either that or somewhere in the grading process, like it lost foil. Cause I can't imagine someone of his stature, um, submitting a card of this nature and, and getting it back in the shape that he did and, and, and still like showcasing it given the fact that others don't look like this one. Do you know what I mean? Like I, and I mean, I'd love for, him him to to talk a little bit about it and obviously that's asking for a lot but you know if they are able to justify this 10 i i, I want i want the justification i want to hear how i want to hear you know like if, if foil is missing on older cards you know like it, it do they have a chance you know it, it, what are what are the prerequisites of a 10 yeah, i feel like we're we're constantly revisiting this I yep. feel like we're constantly yep. revisiting what are the prerequisites of a PSA 10 yep. because, and, uh, because there's no clear cut guidelines and they change so frequently from card to card and, and almost from instance to instance. Right. So <clears throat> in a, in a, in a world where 
subjectivity in grading is a real thing where you can crack out a PSA six and send it in and it gets a PSA 10. And I mean, don't for one sec. That's extreme. That's extreme. I, but I, I mean, I've, I've had plenty, plenty of people in my DMs at the very least that have done it. Um, eight, eight to 10. I mean, I have, I'm telling you, I can probably pull up my DMs right now. I have someone who's submitted a six, got a 10, right? Okay. So and I'm not saying that, that, that like everyone should try this and it happens all the time. I'm just saying that it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, for someone who owns the company to get uh, something to happen in a favorable, favorable manner like this one, I mean, it definitely raises eyebrows and, and again, like because he's a collector, I mean, now that he's seen it, I don't think he can unsee it. Do you know what I mean? Now that he's seen that it's so different than what they're supposed to look like, I don't think yeah. you can unsee it. I can't unsee something when I have, you know, if I have a PSA 10, it doesn't really look like a PSA 10. You just you just don't you don't have the same love for it. You're kind of like, ah, you know, like. There's that corner that I was questionable about and like, I'm happy that it 10, but like, I'm not happy for this to be in my PC almost, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, and so I, it'd be very interesting to see what happens moving forward with this card uh, with PSA. I mean, recently they also came out with like the fact that uh, they cut ties with PSA UK, which is, so there's a, a lot of, you know, yeah, not so great headlines about PSA in the last like three days. Which as I mean, last three days, sure, but as usual over the yeah. last yeah. year, yeah. as usual. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. I just spilled water all over my notes, but nonetheless, um, you just brought up several important elements here. So number one, does Nat care? I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't think so. This is a this is a person that we've seen. During periods of controversy, I'll never forget when that gentleman posted on Twitter about his lost order. That night, Nat was breaking some 97 Pops product. And during the Marks cards thing, complete silence and the occasional showing something off. This guy does, is not going to be bothered. Um, I'd, I'd call him the Elon Musk of the hobby, but he's not as actively... You know, Musk can be in troll mode. Musk can be in opinionated, opinionated mode. I, I don't know what, I don't know who to compare Nat Turner to. He's just quiet. He doesn't say much and he doesn't react much. That's probably his style. Yeah. Um, so if PSA makes a mistake, is it on them to fix that mistake? Will that be re-slabbed? Does that happen? Has that happened in the past? I'm just throwing these questions out there. If it gets sold, I mean, like, the, right? it would have to go through a eBay authentication process. Has there and, ever been? And theoretically been... speaking, I, I mean, they they have the ability to send it back to PSA if they think the grades are off. But it, are they reviewing the grade or the authenticity? I Apparently, uh, my... they're also looking for glaring mistakes with the grade. Okay. I mean, I don't my know. My understanding is they're just looking for the authenticity. You might be right. But let's say, okay, so... But let's uh, let's get rid of the eBay stuff because Fine. I'm still super confused yeah, by yeah. that whole insane process yeah, that yeah, has yeah. been thrust upon us by eBay. Yeah, who is so completely out of touch with collectors and the and the mindset. Let's just make it simpler. A guy, let's say a, a wealthy person who has a little bit of time and a little bit of care for this sort of thing buys this item, realizes how badly graded it is. And reaches out to PSA and touches them on two things. Number one, you have an author, you have a guarantee regarding this card. Yep. And number two, I feel this, even though I've 
paid the money and I own this. I don't think this is a 10. You guys have made a really bad mistake. It looks bad for me and for the hobby. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to stand by the guarantee and pay me my money back? And are you going to regrade this? That's something I would love to see play out. It's not very likely because who's going to do that? A lot of people are just going to be like, okay, well, they clearly made a mistake here, but I'm going to use it to my favor and I'm going to try to profit off. Or it's just a PSA 10 and you can, you continue to pretend that it's, that right. it is, it's and, exactly and it gets, as it is. And it gets passed yeah. along at shows, yeah. at trade yeah, yeah. nights, yeah. which is what happens to a lot of damaged cards, right? Yeah. I mean, like, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. I told the story of that person that came to my table. He had a Jagger card that was in a special screw down. I know why he put it in there now because when I opened it, there was damage, right? So people do that. They're just like passing it along, passing it along. It's very rare that someone's going to speak out, right? And say, yeah. hey, PSA, this isn't right. What are we going to do about it? Um, so, you know, so, so much swirling around this incident, beginning with the fact that he's showing it off, beginning with the fact that it's so obvious and it's such a bad look. And it comes back to the subjectivity of grading, how to handle that, how to handle when you're, you're holding a card that's clearly not what it's purported to be in your hands. Um, bad look. It's a bad look all around. Now, which is getting back to the favoritism angle, um, the, that avenue i'm going to go down that's not the popular avenue um i've seen plenty of videos from aoki from uh what, what's that what's that guy's name who gives the loans on cards uh uh invest you know eddie hmm? eddie invest the card eddie um jeff wilson where they've been disappointed they've headed off to the offices and they don't get the grades that they wanted Famously, Ken Golden, right? When he when he ripped open some SP looking for Jeter rookie cards. And all the ones he sent got sixes and sevens, even the ones that he thought looked really good. Uh, now, you can very easily say that that in itself is kind of, you could say that that's staged. Can't you? Am I being crazy? I mean, you're not being crazy, but like... You, you can say that that's yeah. being placed there to get you off sniffing down that path, but... That's a whole other level of conspiracy theory, but we've seen it. I'm just reminding people. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not fighting back for PSA, believe me. They're sitting on a bunch of slabs I'd really like to have right now, and I'm sure you would as well, Brendan. But, you know, I'm by no means defending them. I'm just reminding people what we've seen. We've seen Steve Aoki park his Bentley over across three parking spaces at, at, at PSA headquarters. We've seen Mike Trout waltz in. Are these people receiving... Uh, Favor, uh, favorable service based on who they are. I think in life, that's inevitable, but we've certainly at least been handed some examples where that's not the case. And I think that Nat Turner's smart enough to know that, you know, if he's, if he's feeding us these little, uh, little, little views and peaks at what's going on and they're all tens and they're all, they've all got damage. That's, that's a really bad move. Which also begs the question, what are we going to do about it? What's the hobby really going to do about it? What do we do about any of these things? Sports card radio is going to come out and start yelling about it. Again, not discounting what he's doing. It's fantastic. Yeah. But what else are we going to do? We're going to keep buying the cards that are only available from the companies that keep screwing us over. We're going to keep grading with these grading companies that are super sketchy. So we're going to see more of these stories they're popping up on social media people are keeping an eye out but everything we've brought up it would be really interesting to see that kind of follow-up what happens to this card now does it just stay out there does nat say it's none of your business it's in my collection it's in my closet what does it matter to you 
well, your grading standards matter to us, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. Uh, I mean, and it, it, we have another big company in the hobby that's taken center stage over the course of the last few days. And that is, once again, Panini. Uh, and this time it's not for quality control. Although, uh, recently, they were sued um, for their redemption processes. And uh, it was found that uh, they, they actually motioned to dismiss the case. And, well, it was and, and it was denied. So, yeah. so it looks like there's going to be a trial for Panini Redemptions, which is huge. Um, and is definitely going to change a lot of future products uh, for not only Panini, but for all the other big manufacturers as well. Because, I mean, if you have a loaded redemption list, but you know, you can't deliver on those redemptions. I mean, it is essentially fraud. Like you are promising it's, cards that, that will never come to fruition, you know, it's and outright, it's outright, it's fraud of the worst nature. Yeah. yeah. Especially $2,000 a box or $1,200 a box or $1,000 a box. Like you have the main names that, that all need redemptions. Like, and, and not only that, but like, even it, when the, even let's say you do get the redemption, I mean, you're getting it back like two years later in some cases like i know someone that just had a redemption fulfilled six years later six years later Aton. yeah like that is ridiculous man and the, the, um the pricing of the product and the desirability of the product is based on what you are telling people is in there and what right? makes things even worse about panini is what just came out again like a few days ago and that is uh, people seem to know the magic serial number um on on the hologram sticker on on boxes of crown royal that produce kabooms yeah. there seems to be a certain sequence um there are two sequences that you know basically translate into kabooms uh i don't know if it works 100 percent of the time but i think apparently it's working more often than not are, uh, we, are we shocked no have you have you ever seen me? Uh, by the way, have you ever seen me picking out a box? Yeah, yeah. You told me all. You told me all the time. You're like, oh, this one ends in like, what is the? This is a McDavid box. This one ends at nine seven. Remember? I remember you told oh, me on. that. Well, well, that, that's just super. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, never works. No, but I'll tell you this. <laughs> there are things that work. There are people out there who select their boxes based on a variety of elements. I know a gentleman who picks his boxes based on the plastic wrapping and what it looks like. I know gentlemen that look for their lucky numbers in the serial number. Now an upper deck product has both a, a white sticker serial number and the hologram, right? I see people base it on the hologram. I see people base it on the sticker. I see superstition and I see strategy. I see reality and I see non-reality. Um, there are some real ways to find out where case hits are and where big hits are. Um, boy, I could have a field day if you show up with a case of 2017-18 Upper Deck SP Authentic or a few cases maybe because you're not guaranteed to get the real big hit of the product, but I could have a field day on that. I've, I've shared stories where company representatives have plucked boxes out for people. I've shared stories where I've been at a very well-known popular brand and breaker on Instagram. I'll just give you one hint. I blocked them. So I never know what's going on with them. 
but uh, I've had one of their employees talk to me a little bit about cases from me. And this was back in 2020. So yeah, this is a real thing. And people have caught on to this one thing, the kaboom thing. It is a game that is weighed in favor of people in the know. I, I've always thought it was obvious. I thought we all knew this. I, I really, I'm being honest. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I really thought we all knew this. Uh, it doesn't mean like you don't have a shot at a kaboom. Your local card store could still be getting uh, boxes with, I, I mean, I've seen it. I see it every day. I see, I see kid like I see people I know with kids and they're pulling cool cards. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling cool cards. You, you've pulled awesome cards, Co. Uh, so it's not like, it's not like you're completely shut out, but the game is weighted. Yep. 100%. I just thought we all knew that. I'm not, I'm not discounting or, or, or making light of this kaboom situation. I'm glad the information is getting out there. I am. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is the nature of the game where thousand, 10,000, $100,000 cards, particularly when we're talking about basketball and football, not my realm, uh, are being inserted into these randomized boxes. You want to talk about gambling. You want to talk about um, opportunities for fraud. You want to talk about people at the factory. You want to talk about people on every level of the supply chain, right? Uh, you see that Facebook posting that's been circulating around. Uh, someone local here was defrauded. Uh, they were purchasing, purchasing some sort of expensive box. And inside were packs of X-Men cards. Um, sealed, sealed box. I mean, every level of the supply chain, right? There's an opportunity. And uh, again, same with Nat Turner's damaged Michael Jordan card. We're going to see more and more and more. The question is, how are we going to react? The question is, how is it going to affect the industry and the hobby? We are a hobby that there are people that are hardcore. They, they won't be put off by this stuff. They'll be disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm not going to stop collecting. Yeah. I am maybe going to stop buying as much on the retail level. I'm still going to stick with people I trust, right? This is something we talked about last time. You trust someone, yep. it goes well, stick with that. You may be tempted to stray based on a sale or based on an opportunity, but you're going to be back back into the risky waters, right? Instead of the small section of the water that you know that you'd like to tread in. I think all of this, you know, the subjectivity and grading that people are kind of just like had enough with, the um the copious issues with panini and and now the the kaboom thing um is almost not doesn't spell the end of ultra modern but that in combination with the auctions that just ended at pwcc um now that some there were some good hits or there were some some decent sales um, but there was a lot in particular with respect to prospecting and young players. And these are two of the things that were in, in, in the utmost demand over the course of the last two years. Um, one I want to talk about specifically is a Spencer Torkelson, who at one point was the number one prospect in baseball, yes. uh, the, the Detroit Tigers. Mm -hmm. He has a Bowman first red autograph, say PSA 10. Uh, pop one, if I'm not mistaken. This one is numbered one of five. Uh, so it's the exact same card that was sold twice. It was sold back on 
April 9th, I believe, for $111,000 and sold a few days ago for $18,000. And if that doesn't show you, number one, how absolutely ridiculous prospecting got. Um, but number two, that a lot of people are losing confidence in in these in these arbitrary things that didn't really make much sense to begin with, you know, and we talk a lot about like PSA values versus other companies values. We talk about, you know, why are these boxes so expensive in comparison to these boxes so expensive or not, not so expensive rather. Um, I think it all just points to a much smarter market and a market that's obviously less willing to take on risk. Uh, but also a market that's less willing to take on bullshit, you know? Yeah. And, and um, I, I mean, I can't imagine like a diehard collector is the one who purchased this Spencer Torkelson and, or is now selling it. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so I really hope the diehard collectors uh, are taking, you know, these tumultuous times as an opportunity to truly collect what they like, whether that be, you know, uh, like 91, like Opichi Premier or, you know, like uh, uh, 89 Hoops or whatever, right? Like, I'm hoping that people take this time to truly, man, maybe you get a binder, you know? I actually thought about it today um, in, in sifting through some of the stuff because I'm trying to do some complete sets. Um, and I've been acquiring, like, you know, a fair bit of cards from from certain sets and, you know, some of them aren't, aren't really, I would say, gradable. And by gradable, I mean anything that's like eight or above. <laughs> and But I'm like, what do I do with these things? I'm like, they would look really cool in a binder, you know? Like, And so um, I'm going to encourage people to, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about why the prices dropped the way they did. But I, I'm really hoping that this this is like a, a shot in the arm for the true collectors. Your your binder idea is kind of the, in a lot of ways the genesis of this demand for '90s inserts because that's people were collecting those and they didn't have a ton of value and now they're looking back and they realize how cool they are how much they like them and they want to collect them now. Um, so maybe some of the stuff that you're talking about that you're going to put away in your binder maybe 20 years from now that's going to be the stuff people want. But um, uh, there's need there needs to be a market correction based on what we're seeing, right? Because I think. Uh, the, 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 this, this is going to teach us lessons. We aren't going to expect the hundreds of thousands of dollars anymore in the prospecting, you would think. Uh, let's not forget Spencer Torkelson. He shows up, he plays about 100 games, hits eight home runs and bats 200. Yeah. That, that's kind of important in this whole story. You got to think the guy that was carrying this card, if it was only one owner, and we don't know, we don't know what's going on here, but we never do. We can only speculate. But maybe he's just like, I can't carry this value. Like I can't, I can't sit here and wait Maybe he got into a really bad situation. We don't know. We don't know. But maybe someone who does spend $100,000 on Spencer Torkelson is very prone to getting into bad situations. Yeah, that's fair. Because, um, my God. And, and this is why I tell anyone who's in my DM showing me a big hit and asking me what they should do, you sell right away. You be that person who brings it to market first when there's nothing to 
compare it to. And especially I, w- I, I wouldn't even worry about grading it. Like I've been saying this for the last little bit. Like I, it, you almost don't even want to risk the time it takes to get back from grading. Because right, you're, unless you're, you express it, you know, which is yeah, often done. But even then, like, what if it comes back an eight? You know, like sure. you're actually losing right. value. We've we've seen many times that nine sell for the equivalent of raw. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like, why not fast forward it? Why not just like just take your money and run almost? You know, like, and it becomes this game of hot potato almost, right? Like that's what it's kind of become with early re- or with when with for first releases. And the frustrating thing is it paints a really bad picture for anyone coming into the hobby or anyone new to the hobby. It kind of looks just, it just looks bad and it looks like your investments will all fail, but like, don't forget. Okay. We're seeing a, I'm not going to call it historic. I think you'd agree. It would be a little too much to call it historic, but we're seeing a great season from our hockey modern goat, Connor McDavid. Right. So if his cards steadily increase throughout this season and you know, people are going to be looking for him at the sport card expo. That's what we should be looking at and I recognizing. Couldn't also agree more. Couldn't agree What's more. So I yeah. could not we, agree we, more. We have to understand that is a smart investment. That is something that will increase in value versus a red Spencer Torkelson that you took the huge risk on and has not panned out. And this guy's still young. We don't know what's going to happen next year. He might turn things around for all we know. Uh, takes takes these guys some time. But, you know, Spencer Torkelson represents a class in that kind of 2020-21 era. You know, uh, who's that Seattle Mariner? Uh, Kellenich, right? I mean, yep. there's just so many of these guys that were hyped to the moon. Jason this Dominguez, uh, even Joe Adele to a certain extent, you know? like yeah, Let's 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 just focus on the guys that have played. Yeah, Adele's a good one. Let's focus yeah. on the guys that played. Adele, mind you, he was looking, uh, he looked, he was looking really good at the end of the season. I like that guy. But, but again, but it doesn't matter that I like him now. We're talking about people who are investing in him, putting crazy amounts of money into him three, four years ago. Yes, when he was like a number like five prospect. Yeah, baseball is weird that way. And, yeah. and hockey, that's why you and I love the hockey market. We're, we're a lot more composed and reasonable about these things. And we're, yeah. not, and, we, and we're not given cards of these guys so far, unless you're collecting CHL cards, we're not given these opportunities that may make us make crazy mistakes yeah um, like we're not going to get an own power card until like christmas do you know what i mean right. like like and, and that will blow up and the the first people buying are going to be paying the most um and then we'll see how it pans out and how he plays dang the savers are looking good but um yeah that's it's it's a that's a market that is far more calm and composed when it comes to these sort of things but just in talking about what i've seen with the pwcc auctions i mean the market's getting flooded with so much stuff right now that's yep. really high end that people put a lot of money into. And it's getting flooded with repeating cards being auctioned at the same time by competing companies. We saw these uh, new lows for the Jordan card from the alt market. Alt liquid. What, what, is, what are these things? Alt liquid zero cool. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. I don't care anymore. All these different platforms. And at first we're like, lots of platforms, cool. And now we're like, lots of platforms, it's diluting everything. Which I mean, it's, is it's a real buying opportunity, to be completely honest. But Bingo. Yes. Bingo. Yes. And some of the biggest and best and smartest accounts out there right now are discussing that. That it is a fantastic buying opportunity. Eyes get eyes get lost, right? Like 
Yeah. If you're if you're buying obscure stuff, and I say obscure very loosely, but if you're like if you're not buying PSA slabs specifically tens, if you're not buying like basically football and base and basketball, then like, I mean, you have a real opportunity at this present moment in time to scoop stuff up because people are liquidating. Yes. And and you could very well get something that you had no idea you had access to for a fraction of what it would have cost two three years ago. I would say closer to one, two years ago, actually. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and that's, and this is, you know, and again, we touched on the expo last pod, but, you know, I expect that the expo is going to be the realm of the dollar to $500 arena. And that's what the hobby should be and has been and can be. And you can still have a ton of fun if you're a collector and you can still have a ton of it of profit if you're a seller. Um, but I think that's the arena that we're going to see things operating at. And we're going to see people getting opportunities to, to buy those cards in the $500 area that were in the thousands not long ago. Question is, are they going to be made available? Um, you, you do keep hearing these stories about people that are pricing things at a level where they think it's February 2021. But um, I think people are smart, smartening up in general. And uh, if you're going to be paying to be at the expo, you are going to want to make some money. Uh, I'm sure there will be buying opportunities for vendors as well, because there's going to be people showing up who are, who are not really serious about this, who are like, man, I got a bunch of this stuff and damn, sitting there doing nothing. Um, some of it's starting to even come down in price. So maybe I should move it. Um, and maybe they will be very unpleasantly surprised when, they think they're being reasonable with their pricing and the vendor gets them down even lower. Yeah. And we will be yeah. seeing a lot of that. Yeah. I don't doubt that that's going to happen. I'm very excited. Honestly, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I've ever been so excited for an expo uh, for a card show in general. I mean, I feel like this happens every time I go to a card show, but like this one in particular, do you, do um, you feel this way in particular about this one? Cause you feel like a lot more stuff's going to be available to you that wasn't available. I think it's in combination with, I mean, I, you, it's no secret that I mainly collect like soccer, right? So like, I think that I'm most happy about the fact that the stuff that I have that I've been like acquiring or grading or, you know, I, it is going to be like movable to a certain extent. I mean, obviously I have like a, a wide array of PC stuff for soccer, but I think for like the first time I'm going to be able to go up to a booth and notify that the, the person on the other end, like I have soccer cards, if you're looking and they might actually be excited about what's yeah. on the other end or open-minded about what's on the other end. So I yeah. think that's super exciting. Um, because uh, I mean, I'm just used to a lot of no's. So I think it, it could be, at the very least, like dialogue, it could be conversation. It could be, uh, yeah. And I am, and, and I'm genuinely excited to continue to try to get these complete sets going. And, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just excited to make it about the experience, you know, like I'm not this is for, for, the, for, for the first time, you know, people have been asking me like, Oh, like what's your game plan going into the expo. And usually I have one, like, you know, la last year at this time, it was about just like acquiring as many OVs as possible. Um, and then come springtime, it was like I was on a Kobe Bryant hunt. And like, I really don't have 
like a mission, this expo. Uh, I'm just going to see what's up. I'm just going to kind That's of. That's a good place. That's a good place to be. Yeah. That's a good place to be at. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I am excited about the sheer size. I'm excited about the excitement that we're seeing surrounding it. As usual, every time it, 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 it rolls around, I think it's an opportunity to remind us just how big and popular this crazy hobby of ours is. I am excited about the various trade nights, uh, Mint Ink and Relics holding trade nights, representing uh, Mint Ink, making it so easy and affordable to grade your cards with SGC. Uh, Relics uh, holding a poker tournament that Coach Co and I know a thing or two about. It shall be very controversial when the cardboard coaches are squaring off against one another. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, plenty of other events going on and, and the excitement of the season, hockey in full swing. And uh, is Upper Deck debuting a product, Co? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Series that 1 maybe? part of the Expo excitement. Series but... 1 maybe? I mean, if they if they get it out on time, I don't know. I mean, that's how it was in the past, but they're, they've got product from two years ago that's still rolling in. So what do we know? Right? Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing that, uh, like, there's a lot of people talking about pre-orders on, on Series 1, but no one that I know actually has it in stock yet. Right. We're, cut, we're cutting it close, so I'm not sure. Right, right. But nonetheless, I mean, still the excitement over hockey. Um, there is, you know, plenty of product that has been popping out that, that's got people excited. And uh, it is the hockey mecca. The, the sport card expo in toronto you know for all the controversial stuff and the negative headlines and all that other jazz i mean I, it is it is a very fun time to be going into the expo i, I so i i hope that uh others who listen you know even if they're not attending the expo hopefully there's a card show coming up for them or a flea market or or something that they can really lean into uh, with their with their collector heart and uh, acquire something that they they you know that they've either really wanted or never realized that they wanted, um, and not just because of the dollar value of it, but because it like actually has some sort of uh, real sentimental value, and that's kind of what it's all about. Absolutely, but if you do want to make some money and do some quote unquote flipping, the kids love flipping. Stop by booth nine one one because it's an emergency. And uh, you're going to find so many deals. I talked about this last year. I'm like purposefully tossing cards into the bins that make no sense price-wise for you to enjoy. I want people to walk away feeling like they're winners. I certainly have the inventory to, uh, to, to get away with that sort of thing. Um, talk, to your, talk to the vendors. The vendors are, I think, going to be more reasonable than ever. If you know some of the vendors over the past 20, 30 years and you, you know certain ones that won't be, you know to skip them anyway. But pe people are going to be incredibly uh, reasonable, I think. And uh, just as long as you stay within reason, let's stay within reason. And um, I think people are just going to be like posting all their wins, posting all their W's, as the kids say, posting all their new pickups and things that they love. I think that's what we're going to see more of is just like stuff. I got what I love. I got what I was looking for. I had this list. I managed to grab it. Um you know, plenty of McDavid and Matthews cards are going to be available if people have been waiting all year, particularly if they're from a small town or something. This is it. This is the opportunity. It's going to be a ton of fun. Love to hear it. Team, we'll hope to see you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Cardboard coaches are out of here. <laughs>